Good morning, Four Oaks Church. Um, if we don't know each other, I'm Pastor Paul, and we are just so glad that you are here. It's, um, it is an incredible thing to have us all here together again. I have to say it feels a little bit like we're at Wrigley Field. We have the cheap seats right up there. Um, those are prime seats, yes. They're, they're the people that don't have to pay for the game. They get in the apartment complex across the street and look down on the field. Um, you know, I was going to say it feels like a family reunion, but I'm like, wait a minute. This is a family reunion. And um, this is the first time in over a year where all of us in this way have been able to gather again. Uh, I'm super pumped about it. You know, here's what I'm praying, church, for us as a church family this season. I am praying that the power of the Holy Spirit, which raised Christ from the dead, that this same power will just really give new life to our church family this season. As we're gathering again, as we're rebuilding community, as we're serving, as we're on mission with the gospel together, I'm praying that God just does um, a unique work, a significant work in our church body. I think he has been. We pray that he continues to do so. All right, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 27. If you have your booklets, you can find the text in there. And before we get rolling, let me just say a couple of things, just a couple of acknowledgments. Um, we roll out here, and we're just enjoying this worship. Um, a lot has gone into this. Um, Joe and the worship team are audio-visual guys. You never hear from them unless something goes wrong, and nothing has gone wrong this morning. So let's just thank them for serving us this morning. And, and, thanks, and thanks to Stephen Altrogi, too, because if you notice that last song that we sang, Behold Our God, Stephen helped to write that song. And so, Stephen, thank you, man. That was, good. That was the good stuff. Now, you've heard the old adage, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one around to hear it, did it really make a sound, right? Well, in the same way, I have to ask, if you preach a sermon and no one was in the church to hear it, does it really count, Right? See, I read this passage last year at Easter on live stream, which I'm sure while many of you were watching, you were also checking your email, let's be honest. So same passage, different message though, and one that I think will be timely for us. So let's listen to this narrative, a super familiar narrative story, but we pray that God will open our hearts to it in a new Way. Verse 57 in chapter 27. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. 
For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. You know, recently um, we got rid of one of our cars that had 210,000 miles or so. And, And before that, at one point, I just know that we had four cars all having a cumulative total of about a million miles on them, right? Now, we knew it was time to get something else, right? When those little red warning lights on the dashboard just wouldn't go away. Now, We've all had that experience, right, where the light comes on. And we know there's three things that you can do, okay? And which of these three you are will tell a lot about you, right? Number one, you can believe it. You trust it, right? You take it over here to our friends at Tuning Point, this year's corporate sponsors of Four Oaks Easter Service, right? (laughs) Two, you can choose not to believe it. And you just chalk it up to a malfunctioning system and you're smarter than this thing and blah, blah, blah. Or you can do what... A lot of us do, and certainly what the Gilbert family does, we just ignore it, right? We just act like it's not happening. But you know, choices two and three are really the same thing, aren't they? Ignoring it functionally is the same thing as choosing not to believe it. Ignoring it is not not making a choice. It is making a choice, isn't it, by default, And see, when it comes to Jesus, we find these same three responses in people, both in this text and here in this crowd, I'm sure. Some receive him, some reject him, or some simply ignore him. But ignoring and rejecting, make no mistake, are the same thing. They're the same outcome. And we see all three of these responses in this story with three groups of people. And those three groups of people we want to talk a few minutes about, we're going to talk about the religious leaders, we're going to talk about the soldiers, and we're going to talk about the Marys. And I think Matthew's point in laying it out this way for us is to help us to locate ourselves in this story. Which of these characters are you? Which typifies your life when it comes to Jesus? Now, during his ministry... Jesus would tell everyone who, was, who would listen that he was going up to Jerusalem to die. This was not a secret. 
Um, he, he made it very clear to his disciples, to the religious leaders, to the crowds, he was going to go up, he was going to die, and he was going to rise again in three days. Now, the dis- disciples could not fathom this, right? Peter infamously rebuked Jesus for saying such a thing. However, we know that the Pharisees were paying careful attention to every word that Jesus said, and they remembered Jesus saying this oh so well, right? But see, they thought he was a charlatan. They thought he was a purveyor of the dark arts. They thought he was a fraud. So as to head them off at the pass, okay, and this is what it tells in the text, they go and ask Pilate for a guardian of soldiers, And this guardian of soldiers was to stand watch at the tomb. Now, understand, Roman soldiers were kind of a big deal, right? They were not your average infantrymen. They were the professionals. Don't know if you've seen this, but there's a viral video circulating around where some members of a college football team, which shall remain nameless, decide to pick a fight with some smaller dudes, Little did they know they were messing with some guys who had been training in MMA for about 10 years, okay? Let me just say, it was ugly. That's all we'll say. To mess with a Roman soldier was ugly. They were the best of the best, which makes what happened next extraordinary. First, look at the text. It tells us there was an earthquake. And if any of you have ever lived through an earthquake or witness an earthquake, you know it is terrifying because you are utterly and completely helpless, right? Second, it tells us that an angel appeared. And when we hear about angels, we think of cherubs and wings and clouds and harps. No, no. Do you know that every time an angel appears in the Bible, people are literally struck dead with fear? They have to peel them off the payment because angels were not just messengers they were also warriors and these soldiers it tells us fell like dead men they were hugging the ground and then they proceed as they're on the ground it's like they're witnessing a bank robbery right they're 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 witnessing the stone rolled away they're, they're, they overhear the angel tell the women about how Jesus is risen i mean they are they are they're getting a front row seat to the greatest event in human history. And it tells us they run to tell the religious leaders. Now, please understand this, folks. These guys had every incentive to lie, right? You see, to fail at their duty to guard the tomb meant certain execution and death. And these guys were scared out of their minds. They didn't know where to turn or what to do. But let's make no mistake, there was no question, right, in the minds of these soldiers about what had happened. So it tells us in the story that the religious leaders paid them off. They gave them a bribe. They said, hey, just keep this to yourselves. In other words, and here's the operative word, just ignore it. You don't have to disbelieve. You don't don't have to, to, to erect all these irrefutable proofs against the resurrection just ignore it act like it didn't happen and guess what the soldiers were more than happy to oblige because they were in great fear were they not of losing their physical lives but the religious leaders on the other hand they were fearful of losing their political lives you see they were the leaders of israel They loved being in charge, and they loved having their reputation, their power, their wealth, their acclaim, their notoriety. And for them at this point to acknowledge Jesus 
would mean humiliation beyond belief. They would have to actually humble themselves. They would actually have to admit they were wrong. They would have to give up control. And so while this whole time the spiritual red light is blinking on their spiritual dashboard, they willingly chose not to believe. Now, please understand something, folks. This is so important for us living in the 21st century. Their lack of faith, these religious leaders, had nothing to do with the evidence. They had nothing to do with historical proofs. The reason they didn't turn to Jesus was not because they didn't know the truth, but because they did. And they knew if they were to actually deal with it, to actually acknowledge that blinking light on the dashboard, to admit the truth would make a very big claim on their lives. A live, a, a, a claim that, let's be honest, they just weren't willing to make. And it's a great reminder, church family, that the greatest obstacle to unbelief then and now in our culture is not the mind. It's always the heart. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 3. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Now, I want you to see how those two responses of those two groups of people differed from that of the women, particularly Mary Magdalene. Now, if you've been watching the the Chosen online series, the, the Chosen series on um, um, on your computer at home, and by the way, season two debuts tonight, um, I think they do an excellent job of giving an accurate biblical portrayal of Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, it seems, had been with Jesus from the earliest days of his ministry. Um, in fact, she might have been with Jesus even longer than some of the original disciples. You see, Jesus had healed her, had cast demons from her, and she loved Jesus because Jesus had saved her. Jesus had welcomed her, and she, in return, had given her life to him. And undoubtedly, please understand something, she had heard all of the same things that they had heard, how he was going to die, how he was going to be raised on the third day. And isn't it interesting, and again, I don't know this for sure, okay? When we get to to heaven, we're going to have a lot of conversations like this, right? We don't know this for sure. We don't know what was in her mind. But isn't it interesting where Mary was every time we read these stories? When Jesus was buried, she's there. When he goes in the tomb, she's there. On the third day, she's there. It's almost if, I don't know, almost if, we'll find out one day. She was anticipating, hoping, trusting in what Jesus had promised. And I think what we see here, church, is the very essence of faith. You see, Mary had invested everything her whole life in this man that she believed was the Son of God. Jesus was her very life. 
And at this point in her journey, where else could she go? See, it reminds me of the movie where, or the book, Where the Red Fern Grows. Remember this? And if you read that book or saw that movie and didn't cry, something's really wrong with you. But, but remember, old Dan is killed in a bear attack. And little Anne won't leave his gravesite, sleeps on his grave, right? Clinging to that, to that, the remembrance of that life. And here, what we see, I think, with Mary is something similar. What we see is the essence of the faith, of her faith. See, she has seen the red light flashing on the dashboard. And she has acknowledged in her heart that something is wrong. It has to be fixed. She's admitted the truth. And here we see Mary clinging to the words of Jesus. She is waiting in hope. She is clinging to his promises, even when, now listen, she couldn't see him. Because I know in a crowd this large, for some of you, God may have seemed to have gone radio silent this past year. There might be episodes of suffering, trial, death. Some of you have lost beloved family members this past year. Some of you have felt isolated, cut off, and you have wondered where is God in the midst of this. But what we learn from this story is the story of faith that Jesus, just as with Mary, is inviting you in. He has given us a resurrected hope. This is not wishful thinking on her part. This is, this is not some semblance of, of, of nostalgia. She had heard the words of eternal life. She had placed this faith, her faith in this man. She had heard his promises. And she had clung to them. And she recognized, just as all of us need to recognize, whichever of those three groups that you find yourself in this morning, whether you're the one that has the lights on the dashboard and you know it and you know something's wrong and you, are, and you want somebody to deal with this or you're the one ignoring it or you're the one in denial of it, this is the promise for all of us. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? You see, the soldiers and religious leaders were hanging on to their fears. Different fears, but the same root. At the cost of their very souls, but Matthew wants us to know that Jesus offers another way. Jesus says, come to me. Trust me. Place your faith in me. Follow me. Give me your whole life. Because I've given my whole life for you. I've laid my life down. I've died in your place for your sins. But even more than that, I'm now risen. I'm alive. I give real hope, not sentimental hope, not wishful thinking, not, not like I hope it all works out in the end, but a true, lasting, eternal, fixed, resurrected hope. 
And understand something, Jesus wants us to know this, it will cost you your very life. A life you're going to have to give up one day anyway, aren't you? But in Jesus, you will have true, eternal life, Jesus says, in me. So come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's pray.